Thank you. You may be seated. I was thinking while we were singing, I said to somebody this morning that I met, first time they've been in this church, I said, I want you to know this is the church I waited my whole life to be able to be a part of. And I mean that with all my heart. I, I feel so blessed uh, to be able to come here on Sundays and uh, be able to sing and be fed. I thought about this moment right here yesterday when I was watching the Ohio State game because if you come here to church, uh, you know that this is about the time Luke uh, gives us an Ohio State update. While I'm watching the game, I'm thinking, this could be an interesting update. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm speaking tomorrow. I may have to give the interesting update. So all that to say, we shouldn't have worried anyways, we're fine, and uh, Luke will have the update next week, uh, so that'll be great. I want you to uh, think to yourself, if someone came to ask you what you wanted most in life, how would you answer that question? If somebody said to you, if you could have whatever you wanted in life, what would you choose? Would your thoughts go towards a career? Maybe uh, you want to be a doctor or a teacher. If you'd asked me that question when I was in high school, I would have said, I want to be a coach. I want to coach basketball. In fact, in my high school yearbook, if you look at it, uh, the prediction is most likely to someday coach the Boston Celtics. That was me. Uh, or would your thoughts go to a relationship? Maybe what you want most in life is to have friends, to be in a certain community, to be married, or maybe your thoughts would go to possessions, that maybe you think about a house or an income or money, or maybe you're somebody whose thoughts would go to emotions. You want to be happy, you want to be loved, you want to be secure. And while this kind of discussion may sound fun, but relatively pointless exercise, but the reality is that I've been thinking a lot about this because I think that in many ways is life's most important question. Because the reality is that the choices that we make in our lives are based on what we want most. And we make those choices because we think that those choices are ultimately going to provide for me what I want most. I mean, think about it. Let's suppose you desired all of the right things. How different would your choices be? For example, how successfully do you think you would resist temptations that you're facing if you had no desire whatsoever for what those temptations provided? Or how effective would you be in making the changes in your life that you're considering? Maybe you're like me, you're coming to the end of a year and you're beginning to think about, okay, what do I want to be different in the coming year? How effective would we be at making those changes if we ultimately believe that the effort necessary to make that happen was going to give me what I desire most? 
Or how hard would you work at your job or in your classes if you believed that your hard work was ultimately going to provide for you what you desire most? I've been thinking about this as I looked at the section of the Lord's Prayer we're going to be talking about today. And let me explain to you why. Two weeks ago, we began this series. Luke spoke to us, and he gave us a context of why Jesus gives to us this example that's called the Lord's Prayer. And he reminded us that he's not giving us words to say when we pray, but that Jesus is trying to help us understand the items that ought to populate our prayer so that as a result, we can lean into prayer. So that as a result, we can work at being more effective at prayer. In fact, he gave us some obstacles that often keep us from leaning into prayer. He talked about that we might feel that prayer is ineffective, that it doesn't matter much. And if you think that, then you're not going to be somebody that leans into it. He talked about that maybe you feel that prayer is a performance, that somehow you have to prove something to God. You have to be a good person or you have to follow the prescribed formula. Or he said, maybe you feel like prayer is difficult, that prayer might lead to more question marks than anything else because you have to think about how do I pray, what do I pray, when do I pray. And what he did in that message was challenge us to think about what it is that our obstacles are that keep us from leaning in and listen carefully to the instructions that Jesus gives us because he's trying to address maybe one of those or maybe another one to help us understand some realities that will result in us leaning in and trying to be productive. Last week, he looked at the first part of the example and talked to us about the who of our prayers. And he said, obviously, I'm going to lean into prayer. Obviously, I'm going to seek to be productive of prayer if I understand that the person I'm talking to is my father, the one who loved me enough to have Jesus pay the penalty for my sins so that I could be forgiven, the one who raised Jesus from the dead so that we could know that the price had been paid, the payment had been accepted, and now I could be forgiven and live a new life. And this week, what we're going to begin to look at is the what, the content, if you will, of our prayers, and how they also help us lean in and seek to be productive. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you're new to the Bible, as all of us once were, it's sort of uh, a little bit to the right of halfway. If you're new to the Bible, there is a table of content. And uh, trust me, all of us at one stage in our life were new to the Bible and access that. Uh, so you feel free to do that. And I'm going to be reading chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start reading in verse 9 which is uh, where Luke was last week, and then include verse 10, which is where we're going to be this morning. Here's what Jesus said. He said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Now let's look closely at these two requests. The first request is, may your kingdom come soon. Now first, I feel like I need to help you understand what this request is not. This is not some kind of political request. It is a missional request. It's not about legislation and political activism. Instead, what he's praying about is for the transformation of the hearts and minds of people so that we become more and more like Jesus and make him the king of our lives. Jesus starts here because this strikes at the heart, in my mind, of one of the most common obstacles that keep people from praying and leaning into prayer, and that is that somehow we have to be in this perfect place with God to be worthy to walk into the throne room, as it were, and talk to him and have us actually listen. We look at the station of life that we're in and think that I don't have any right to pray. And Jesus here is reminding us that this is where we begin and we start our prayers with the desires that God would rule our lives and our hearts. I mean, think about that. We come to God, he says, and when you do, start there and ask him, and say, may you be, you be the ruler of my life. My, may my heart be moved to make you king so that what I want is for what you want to be true in my life. It's praying that you and others would desire God to reign and rule in our lives. It's praying that you and others would desire to see Jesus being loved, worshipped, and believed. It's praying that you and others would desire to be more like Jesus and find the grace that you have found. It's praying that you and others would desire to please God and follow his example. It's praying that you and others would allow King Jesus to rule our hearts so that the kingdom of God would be in the midst of us. It's praying that you and others would have opportunities to communicate who Jesus is and what he's done for people so they could also become Part of the kingdom. So I might say to you, which Jesus would intend for us to say at this point, so if you have not already, if it's not a regular part of your life, but you want to begin to lean into prayer, can I suggest that you begin by praying that God would give you a desire to allow him to reign and rule in your life? And I encourage you to start praying that you would desire to love and worship Jesus more. Can I encourage you to start praying that you would desire to be more like Jesus and demonstrate the grace that you found in him? Can I encourage you to start praying that you would desire to please God and follow his example? Praying that you would allow King Jesus to rule your heart so that the kingdom of God would be in the midst of wherever you were and praying that you will have the opportunities to communicate who Jesus is and what he's done for people. It just was crazy to me the more I kept thinking about this and thinking about this and how amazing it is that Jesus, knowing the issues that keep us from accessing the power that's available to us in communicating and speaking to our God, 
would talk first about this is who he is, and that's the person you go to to say, I want your kingdom to come in my heart. Would you please give to me that desire? And then the second request is, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think this strikes at the core of what you believe to be true about God. What I mean is what you believe to be true about the Father shapes how willing you're going to pray that his will be done in your life. In other words, does he truly love you? Is he truly for you? I mean, think for a moment, why would you say to somebody who you weren't convinced truly loves you and is for you, is here's what I would really like, But the truth of the matter is that I know you love me. I know that you are for me. I know that you know what is best for me. And so while I'm praying this, I want you to do what it is that you know is best. If I truly believe God loves me and is for me, I would desire his will to be done in my life more than anything else. I would know that his love controls his will and that every choice he makes is based on him being for me. It's feeling feeling the freedom to talk to God about what's on your heart while keeping in mind that his love for you might cause him to choose something other than what you're asking because his will is always best and better for me. It's one of the things I thought about the difference between being my age and the age of most of you in this room is for me, I looked at this and said, this ought to become more and more uh, easy for me to do because if I have one thing that's true of my life is to look back over the course of my life and, and think about the things I prayed for that I thought were, you know, game breakers. I need this. I have to have this. And then look back and say, God, I'm so grateful that you loved me enough to not give me what I wanted, what I was asking. You loved me enough to be patient with me in my doubt and my questioning and in my fear. We see this example all over the Bible. For instance, we have the example of people praying for healing, but understanding that God's will may be for the, for, the, for the lack of, for the illness to keep me from becoming proud. This is what we read in the Bible. It says, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace, grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in insults, hardship, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Or you might pray for the removal of a hardship, but understand that God's will might not be to remove the hardship, but to provide in the midst of that hardship comfort that allows you not only to know God more deeply, but allow you to enter into the lives of other people and encourage them 
This is what we also read in the Bible. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Or you may pray for deliverance from a trial, but you understand that God's will in that trial might be to build character qualities that are more important in your life. We read this in the Bible, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will become perfect, complete, and needing nothing. Or maybe like Jesus, when he faced the cross, you might pray that the Father would find another way than the suffering that you're in and seemingly growing, but be willing to say, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me, yet I want your will to be done and not mine. It's easy in our lives to feel like we know all. We get it. And sometimes what's hard to be older and try to help younger people understand that maybe there's a scenario you haven't considered. Maybe there's something you're not aware of. Imagine what that can be like for a God who knows infinitely everything. And somehow we're prone to interact with him as though maybe he hasn't understood something or maybe he doesn't know something and somehow if I can bring this to his attention that somehow he'll be moved to engage with me in that. But may I encourage you, if you are not already, to start today praying for healing but also asking God to enable you to understand that he may choose to use this illness to keep you from becoming proud. Maybe he wants to just help you become a humble person. Can I encourage you today, start praying for the removal of a hardship, but at the same time asking God to enable you to understand that he might not choose to remove the hardship, but will provide you comfort in the midst of it, so that you can help people in other circumstances? Can I encourage you maybe today to start praying for the deliverance from a trial, but also asking God to enable you to understand that he may choose to continue the trial in order to build in you the character qualities that are necessary and that while you may not appreciate them now, you will? Can I encourage you to pray like Jesus for the Father to find another way for the suffering you're about to face, but asking him to enable you to be willing to, like Jesus, say, you are my Father, I trust what you want, even if it's a cross, because I know you love me. I know you care about me. 
You have demonstrated that throughout human history in providing me what I need through the cross, but also each and every day of my life. How amazing is it that we have a father who invites us to ask for the ability to desire his kingdom to come into his life and for his will to be the priority of our desires and not demand that we come in that position emotionally before we ask. Imagine a God who, and maybe that's one of your obstacles, to think that I don't think I'm worthy. Imagine a God who would make sure that we had on a written page and make sure illustrated to us throughout the pages of the Bible that he's a God who says, ask me to move in your heart so that you want that, so then you come and ask me for it. I used to think it was sort of like me telling my kids to clean their room, and if they clean their room, then when I get home, I'll take them out for Dairy Queen, and I get home and the room's not clean, they're outside playing, and I clean the room for them, and I call them in, and I walk them back to their room and say, this room looks amazing, I'm going to take you to Dairy Queen. That's what God seems to do in my life all the time. And I pray and I say, God, I'm struggling. Would you give me a capacity to trust your love for me and your will? Would you give me a desire for that to be done? And then when he does, and I live in obedience to that, he rewards me. How crazy is that? Or how amazing that we have the example of Jesus who modeled this kind of prayer. So that like him, we could communicate our heart's longings and yet ask for the will of the Father to be accomplished. And might the example Jesus has given to us and then modeled for us influence us in the way that we pray and might all of us leave here with a greater understanding that we can lean into prayer and we can actually become more and more productive with prayer as we seek to say to the Father, your kingdom come, your will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Let me pray. Father, thank you for choosing this to be a text that I needed to spend a lot of time working through, praying through, examining. Thank you for the reminder today in my own heart about my own heart's tendency to not be sure that I want your kingdom to come in my own heart, in my own marriage, in my own family. That in your grace, you say to me in those moments, Jesus told me to start there. And after I remember who you are, to come to you and say, may your kingdom come. Thank you for the privilege this week to be renewed in my communication with you, to ask you more and more that I would live and become more and more like Jesus and I would allow what you call me to, what you desire of me to be that which rules my heart. 
And I pray also that as I come to you with requests and I bring them before you, that I might fully understand that you, in fact, may choose to give me exactly what I'm asking for. But give me a heart that trusts you enough and believes in you enough to be able to say, but Father, if you have something else for me, if there's something that I'm not smart enough to see or understand, and if it's something that desires a great deal more trust than I have, that I can in that moment ask you to give it to me. That I can say, I want your will to be done here on earth in my life as it is in heaven. And I pray that you do the same for my brothers and sisters in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.